This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today it's Christmas in July, apparently, because we're talking about gingerbread. Yes. <laughs> we could not wait for the holidays. Uh, it was impossible to ask. You you could not wait for the holidays, and I was willing to come on this journey with you. <laughs> well, you sold me out right at the beginning, Lauren, but that's okay. That's okay. Sorry, not sorry. I really wanted to get to the bottom of those dang houses. I wanted to know why people do that. And we will talk about that oh, a yeah. lot. Absolutely. And I have right at the front, I feel like we could do this entire episode about just my gingerbread memories because I've got a lot of them. Yeah? Yeah. And one one of my favorites is that um, every every Christmas my family makes gingerbread. Okay. Um, we do make the pudding variety, which I have learned is not technically ginger. Some people like to fight with me over whether or not that's really gingerbread. What's, what's the pudding variety? You like put butterscotch pudding in there. They're much softer and less like spicier. Okay. I prefer them, but, okay. yeah. you know, people like to fight about those things. <laughs> um, so we make them every Christmas, and one Christmas when I was 14, I had my best friend over, and we made the gingerbread, and it's kind of a big ordeal. Like, we frost them, we sprinkle. do the whole thing. Sure, we yeah, do yeah, the yeah. the whole thing. It takes eight minutes for them to cook. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember this because I came downstairs 
hoping to enjoy a wonderful warm plate of cookies. And instead, I find a note taped to the oven, and it says, you can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. (laughs) And it was followed by a clue as to where his whereabouts. Oh, my goodness. This... Did he lead lead you on a scavenger hunt? He did. There were 14 <laughs> clues. 14 clues. And my friend and I, 14 years old, had to go on the scavenger hunt. And my mom, it was my mom. Surprise, surprise. I, it wasn't the gingerbread man. It wasn't cookie. actually the gingerbread man. <laughs> but I love how she thought to do this for the first time as we're like teenagers. <laughs> But we loved it so much that we kind of begrudgingly asked her to do it again next year. (laughs) And it became a tradition. Um, And another thing I I love about our gingerbread tradition is my younger brother used to make what he would call a broken home. (laughs) He would make like your traditional – because we had a woman and a daughter and a son. He would just make a bunch of them. And then he'd like rip their arms off and stick them on their heads or whatever. (laughs) And then he'd put a heart in the middle and he'd break it in half. Oh, my goodness. And when I asked him why he did this, he said, we're going to bite their heads off anyway. Wow. And he revealed to me that that messed him up for a while as a kid because he was younger when the the gingerbread man ran away in our house. And when he thought, well, if it's an animate living being and we're just eating it, it really really did a game on a number on him. (laughs) Well, I, I hope he's recovered. I think so. I do have some funny pictures I should perhaps post of the broken home. (laughs) That does sound pretty great. (laughs) It's very creative, I've got to say. Yeah, so I uh, have a lot of experience with gingerbread in my lifetime. Yeah, I I do not have such a strong gingerbread family tradition. Uh, Our our cookie decorating is usually with uh, sugar cookies in my home. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's my dad's preferred. He would very much prefer if we did that as opposed to gingerbread, but outvoted. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I like cookies. I can't really. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Yeah. My cookie dessert chart. Well, my dessert chart cookies are at the top. <laughs> cookies and pie and donuts are number – those are the top three. <laughs> anyway, um, this will probably be a future food fairy tale. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah we should – I would love to do a, a good dramatic reading of a gingerbread man story. There are, as it turns out, a long history of those things, and I'll get into that in a little while. But in the meanwhile, gingerbread, what is it? Great question, because originally, like medieval Europe originally, gingerbread simply meant preserved ginger. It didn't shift to encompass the desserts we think of nowadays until the 15th century. And that nowadays definition is pretty loose. A combination of ginger and a sweetener like sugar, treacle, molasses, and or honey. Uh, yeah, a variety of baked goods are called gingerbread, from cakes ranging from dense to delicate and cookies ranging from soft to chewy to crunchy. Ginger and a non-white form of sugar are the most important ingredients. Uh, brown sugar, molasses, and etc. help give gingerbread its, its distinctive kind of roasty color. But it's also frequently seasoned with other warm wintry spices like cinnamon, clove, and nutmeg. And of course, because it's a baked good, butter and flour are usually involved or some simulacrum thereof. In many traditions, uh, the cookies are shaped and decorated with uh, candies and white icing or glaze, or maybe coated with chocolate or filled with sweet stuff like marzipan. That reminds me. One of my first memories is making gingerbread house. Yeah? 
yeah, I had a big party. Um, and we all made gingerbread houses. I think it was my third birthday. Oh, my goodness. Huh. Yeah. That seems like a a, a tall order for three-year-olds. <laughs> there was a lot of destroying of the gingerbread houses, for sure. <laughs> and a lot of just sticking gumdrops everywhere. Oh, like, no yeah. design. Oh, yeah. I think the houses were already made, and we were just decorating them. Anyway. Lots of memories in this old brain. <laughs> the name gingerbread itself is probably derived from the Latin derivation of the Sanskrit word for horns or antlers, and that's referencing the shape of the ginger root. And this spawned the French word gingembre, and not a long walk to gingerbread from there. And there's a lot of different types of gingerbread around the world, as you could probably guess. And building gingerbread houses is no joke in parts of Germany, Russia, Poland, and the Czech Republic, and France. There are gingerbread regulations sanctioned by the government circa the Middle Ages. There's a museum of gingerbread in Torun, Poland. It's on the site of a gingerbread factory that opened back in 1885 and ran for a whole century. Um, in Torun, bakers still guard their recipes like very carefully. But apparently, they involve aging the dough for up to a year, which means that my very favorite thing is probably involved bacteria poop. I wonder how many people said that with you. Oh, I like to hope at least two. <laughs> <laughs> a solid two is what I'm hoping. If you're curious as to why gingerbread are such a fall, winter treat, it might be because um, a lot of those spices present in gingerbread cookies or gingerbread were believed to have warming abilities. And it kind of makes you wonder about the warm feeling you get from comfort food, or it did for me, at least. (laughs) Um, These spices also were reminiscent of the gifts of the Magi to baby Jesus. And speaking of, it's also possible that since the cookies are meant to look like men, but they kind of really more looked like babies, <laughs> they might have come to represent the baby Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, gingerbread is also a flavor now. Um, you can find recipes online for gingerbread brownies and cookie bars and trifles and cupcakes and cheesecakes and layer cakes and popcorn and French toast. You name it. The gingerbread latte. The gingerbread latte, yes. I – look – Gingerbread pancakes served with lemon curd is one of the best things on the whole planet, and diners that serve it year-round are the very best diners. You can fight me. I'm on board, and I want to go now. <laughs> I've never had that before. Oh, no. And I love gingerbread. Uh, here here in Atlanta, uh, Java Jive does it. There's my, my original gin- gingerbread pancake experience was in Austin, and I'm forgetting the name of the place off the top of my head, but it was clearly like a transcendental <laughs> experience for me. Wow. All right. Well, I'm adding that to the to-do list. (laughs) Gingerbread has shown up in a lot of cultural things as well, a lot of media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gingerbread cookies were the couple in question in the cookie sutra. (laughs) The gingerbread people are the main characters in the game Candyland. Um, They also make up the Nutcracker's army in the Nutcracker. Gingerbread Men guest starred on The Muppet Show, operated by Frank Oz. Oh, yeah. Um, and Genji, of course, in the film series Shrek. And I seem to remember some violent gingerbread men in Krampus. That sounds right. I believe so. There's a whole scene where people are getting, not killed, but hurt very, very badly <laughs> by cookies. Um, there's the Robert Altman film, The Gingerbread Man, with Kenneth Branagh and Robert Downey Jr., which is a legal thriller, despite the name. Okay. Um, and I also saw a really bad horror movie called The Ginger Dead Man, 
where <laughs> the ashes of a serial killer were added into a gingerbread mix and then baked into one murderer's cookie. And the sequels are called Passion of the Crust and Saturday Night Cleaver. Mm-hmm. There's also that uh, Stephen King novella, uh, The Gingerbread Girl. It's true. Yeah. Um, the Brothers Grimm never included a gingerbread man type story in their collections, but the 2005 Terry Gilliam film, The Brothers Grimm, did feature this like mud monster gingerbread man that sort of like possesses or rather like absorbs a little boy. Yeah. Um, and there is, of course, the fairy tale, the, the gingerbread man. Right which we will discuss a little mm-hmm. bit more in depth later. And also, aside, one of my personal greatest fears, the runner's runs, or runner's diarrhea, also goes by the gingerbread man. And going back to the novella by Stephen King, maybe it's about a woman who runs too much, and it's called, uh, yeah, the gingerbread yeah. girl. So it could just be because, like, run, can't catch me if you can. It's pretty good. Run, run. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, my mind was immediately like, runners runs. My goodness. <laughs> what a nightmare it is, this Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> the nutritional qualities of gingerbread, uh, perhaps obviously very vastly depending on the recipe that you use. But, you know, generally, y'all, it's a, it's a sweetened baked good. So it, it's a treat, not a health food. Yeah. I only eat gingerbread the time we make it generally in a year, but I do eat the entire plate of cookies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I don't need to justify. You do not. To myself, perhaps, but not to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If we're talking about gingerbread numbers, gingerbread is one of the most popular winter holiday cookies in the U.S. and in much of Europe. In 2013, a New York chef by the name of John Lovich created a gingerbread village that covered 300 square feet, that's about 28 square meters, and consisted of 1.5 tons of gingerbread structures, including 135 residential buildings, 22 commercial buildings, cable cars, and an underground subway. We don't even have cable cars. (laughs) That sounds like bigger than some small towns. It wasn't small. (laughs) So medium-sized town. Yeah. Traditions Golf Club in Byron, Texas, currently holds the record for largest gingerbread house. How big was it, you ask? It was big enough to need a permit. What? Yeah, (laughs) 40,000 cubic feet. Like many houses that used bricks, only these 4,000 bricks were made of ginger, and that took 1,800 pounds of butter and over 1,000 ounces of ground ginger. It was huge. There is also a Guinness record for the largest gingerbread man. It was created by an IKEA in Oslo, Norway in 2009. He weighed 651 kilos. That's about 1,435 pounds and was baked in a single piece. And y'all look look this one up. The photo on the Guinness website is something that producer Dylan described as it's like a group of scientists have this gingerbread man cryogenically frozen and some of them are like don't wake it up it's a bad idea and others are like no 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 it's going to be totally fine he said and I agree that he's never seen a group of people look so serious about gingerbread and he's never seen ginger dead man either no I guess not I guess not well it's a cautionary tale I you know who are we to play gods of ginger I don't know but they are kind of Apparently, we're not the only ones who think they're a little frightening because they do show up in a lot of horror. Yeah. 
I was, fairy tales. I, I was I was scared by the Brothers Grimm Terry Gilliam version. Oh yeah, that's frightening. I um one last gingerbread memory from me. <laughs> I last I think last Christmas, um, two Christmases ago, I went on a very long cruise with my uh, then boyfriend, and um, it was the second largest cruise ship in the world, <laughs> and it had a gingerbread display that was so realistic looking, I didn't realize it was gingerbread until I'd walked past it like several days in wow. a row. I thought it was like model houses. Holy heck. It was gingerbread. Very impressive. That is impressive. Uh, speaking of, of memories and history, we have some more gingerbread history for you that isn't just Annie's. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Ginger root has roots all the way back to ancient China, where it was used medicinally. The Silk Road helped spread ginger eventually to Europe, where it was a popular spice due to its ability to mask the flavor of rotten meats. And the flavor of bitter leaveners like potash that were used to make baked goods fluffier at the time. It may have arrived to Western Europe, in particular via crusaders returning from the Middle East in the 11th century. Oh, and also, the ancient Egyptians might have used it in ceremonial practices. 
The ancient Romans ate gingerbread, but what was more like honey cakes, probably, to rev up their libido. And possibly these cakes were shaped like men with all the right anatomical bits. Ancient Romans. Oh, ancient Romans. I see you. Yes. The ancient Chinese weren't the only ones that thought ginger had beneficial health properties. Henry VIII snapped it up, and that's a ginger snaps pun, (laughs) for one more horror movie reference in there. Um, And he mixed it up with a couple of other things in hopes of staving off the plague. Ah. Ginger is still used for things like upset stomachs and nausea. I was given some on a cruise ship once for seasickness. Uh, European sailors working during the whaling and uh, globalization, colonization kind of eras would buy hard gingerbread to take out with them on long voyages for the purpose of settling their stomachs. Hold up, though. The first recipe for gingerbread may have first appeared as early as 2400 BCE out of ancient Greece. What? This according to the book Making Gingerbread Houses by Rhonda Massingham Hart. Ancient China followed suit with their own recipe in 10th century CE, and then, yes, by the Middle Ages, Europe had their own take. And yes, at first, it was a rich person food. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you needed the sugar to make it sweet. You needed the spices, which were expensive. Oh, so expensive. Um, And this European recipe is closing in on our modern version. It referred to a hard cookie that may or may not have been bedecked in gold gilding. Similar to the gilding on colonial American houses, um, and that's sometimes referred to as gingerbread work. Oh, yeah. Um, And these cookies were possibly shaped like kings, queens, and animals. If you were to attend a fair in England, France, Germany, and Holland during this time, you were pretty much guaranteed to run into one of these gingerbreads. So much so that they became known as gingerbread fairs. And the cookies themselves were sometimes called fairings. Huh. By 1380, we have references to a Polish version of gingerbread cookies called pierniki, uh, derived from the word pepper. A lot of Northern European countries' words for gingerbread tend to derive from pepper, including maybe my favorite, the Norwegian peperkakor. Peperkakor. Isn't it fun to say? It is. (laughs) That's fun. Um, In Germany, these cookies often had messages on them, similar to the candy slash sweethearts. You are super, all I need is you, things like that. Nuremberg was known as the gingerbread capital of the world in the 1600s. And that city's museum houses the oldest known recorded gingerbread recipe. To this day, Nuremberg's gingerbread has, quote, protected geographical indication from the European Union, like champagne does in France. Um, They don't make men so much as horses and hearts these days, though. I read that the... Some other European countries kind of look at it as a skew for still making men. Yeah, yeah. Holy Roman Emperor Frederick III handed out cookies that looked like him when he was campaigning. And seasons informed the shapes you'd find. Flowers denoted spring, for instance, or even armor. Ladies looking to grant their night of choice luck during a tournament might present him with a cookie or would eat a gingerbread husband to put out vibes to the universe that you're looking to secure a real non-cookie based man. <laughs> but why though? You could have a cookie. Right? I got a big I got a big thing for cookies. Um, these <laughs> fancy gingerbread cookies came to personify the English elite. And there were all kinds of shape-based superstitions dog for fidelity, a pig for luck, a baby for a child, a lion man for virility. There was even a Swedish legend that it might grant wishes. 
you held a gingerbread in the palm of your hand, made a wish, and then broke it with either your thumb or index finger, and it broke into three pieces, your wish would come true. Clearly. Clearly. I'll have to try that next time. Mm-hmm. The idea of decorating cookies and shaping them is largely due to Elizabeth I, who elevated the gingerbread cookie game when she made cookies in the shapes of dignitaries on her courts. <laughs> and these cookies were made by whipping up a paste and pressing that, that paste into wooden molds. And at first, this paste was a mixture of breadcrumbs, almond meal, sugar, rosewater, and ginger. In the 16th century, eggs came into the equation along with other sweeteners. And you can find these molds in museums today. And you'd find these cookies at weddings and wakes, and it was possibly accepted as currency in some parts of Europe for a short amount of time. Oh, wow. And a fun story suggests that Elizabeth I would only give a cookie modeled after your likeness to you if you were worthy. Oh. She deemed you worthy. If she found you coming up short, she'd eat the cookie head first. What? Probably within your view. <laughs> so you knew. <laughs> I went to the trouble of having this cookie made, and I'm eating it. Right in front of you. Head first. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right, Lizzie. Which just about brings us to the ultimate question I wanted answered. What's the deal with those gingerbread houses? <laughs> the deal is 16th century Germans and their love of the Brothers Grimm story of Hansel and Gretel. A lot of you are probably like, no, duh. <laughs> um, well, I wasn't. It's sort of a chicken and egg type thing, though. Did the fairy tale lead to the creation of gingerbread houses? Did gingerbread houses inspire the fairy tale, which in turn popularized the gingerbread houses? Mysteries of history. No one knows. Anywho, these early gingerbread houses were way nicer than what I'm used to. Not only did they have that gold gilding, but they also had gold foil wallpapering. Oh, wow. Pretty okay. fancy. Indeed. Related, gingerbread men were thought to be baked by witches, of course, and then used as sort of voodoo dolls to cause pain and perhaps death. Oh, wow. Dutch authorities made the baking and eating of gingerbread men illegal in 1607 in an attempt to quell witchcraft. That's some serious business. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you can. <laughs> and that's making other shapes than gingerbread men. Shakespeare mentioned gingerbread in a play in 1598, quote, And I had but one pity in the world, thou shouldst have it to buy gingerbread. Oh. And John Barrett claimed it had the power to soothe your stomach in the 16th century. As ginger became more affordable, gingerbread finally ventured out of the aristocratic bubble. And sometime after this, it even kind of came to mean the reverse. Gingerbread went from denoting fancy and elegant to poor and maybe even effeminate, the harshest of insults. Um, take this quote from 1637's The Elder Brother. He is an ass, a piece of gingerbread, guilt over to please foolish girls and puppets. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of kind of an insult based on like, oh, look at how like oh, overly fancy you are. Look at what a pretender. Ugh. yeah. Gingerbread cookies arrived to the New World with the colonists. In Virginia, candidates might offer a cookie in an attempt to win your vote. Our old pal, author of American Cookery, Amelia Simmons, um, her that book came with three different recipes for gingerbread, including this one for soft gingerbread. So it's the second recipe. Rub three pounds of sugar, two pounds of butter, into four pounds of flour, add 20 eggs, four ounces of ginger, four spoons rose water, 
and then bake as the previous recipe, number one. And this soft kind was America's preferred kind. When Marquis de Lafayette visited the home of George Washington's mother, Mary, she made soft gingerbread for him. Um, She made them in both the shapes of eagles and kings. Americans took the idea of the gingerbread house and ran with it, too. It caught on on a more widespread level in America than it did in Britain. And speaking of running with it, The Gingerbread Boy was first published in 1875. And as it turns out, there is a long tradition in folklore of telling stories about runaway baked goods. What? (laughs) There's Okay, there's an in-depth classification system for folklore. And... The gingerbread boy, or gingerbread man as we more modernly know it, is part of the Arna Thompson Uther Type 2025, otherwise known as the runaway or fleeing pancake story. My pancakes going to run away? There are all kinds of stories throughout Europe about cakes or cookies or pancakes running off and then mocking various animals and people about not being able to catch and eat them. The, the, the gingerbread man is just the American version. Well... It makes more sense because he has legs. <laughs> How is a pan- is it like rolling away? You know, if I see a pancake just like rolling, I'm gonna know it's the apocalypse is nigh. <laughs> the baked goods are here. <laughs> they're here and they're mocking us. Yes, but uh, but the first printing of the Gingerbread Boy, uh, which probably followed a long oral tradition, was in this children's literary journal called Saint Nicholas Magazine, and the unnamed author wrote about it. The Gingerbread Boy is not strictly original. A servant girl from Maine told it to my children. It interested them so much that I thought it was worth preserving. I asked where she found it, and she said that an old lady told it to her in her childhood. But this printing was more of a story than like the kind of sing-songy rhyme thing that we know today. I think the first printed version that's close to our our modern gingerbread man rhyme was in 1898 in the Ladies' Home Journal, written by one Ella M. White. You know, the whole like, like run, run, fast as you can, you can't catch me, little gingerbread man sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. By the time Perrin W. Cousins published a child's book of stories in 1911, the wording that we're more familiar with today, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man, was cemented. And that gingerbread recipe of Mary Ball Washington's um, would wind up getting passed down to her daughter Betty, who served it at her own home, the Kenmore Plantation in Virginia. And that recipe would eventually wind up saving that historical site. Though long forgotten, it was found in the home's attic in 1922 by members of the Kenmore Association and the Daughters of the American Revolution, who needed like 30 grand to fund necessary repairs to the estate. So they typed up the recipe, they sold copies of it to visitors for 10 cents a piece, eventually sold the rights to it to a company that created a like gingerbread mix for purchase at supermarkets, who also provided it at a discount back to chapters of the Daughters of the American Revolution, who sold it to benefit the Kenmore. Gingerbread cookies, saving historical... (laughs) Saving history, yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to, like, sort of wrap up. We've got a little bit of gingerbread science, but I wanted to sort of wrap up with... um, There's this great interview that author Anne Byrne, um, uh, author of the book American Cake, did with the Philly Voice. And she said this about gingerbread. As years passed, the recipes like gingerbread that passed down through generations were always baked for holidays, mostly Christmas. There's a wonderful phrase I found while researching American cake, and it goes something like this. The holidays preserve what every day loses. 
In short, if it weren't for holiday baking, we wouldn't be hanging on to old recipes like gingerbread. I like to think of gingerbread as the quintessential American cake. It's a revolutionary cake in that our early American settlers adapted old European methods of baking gingerbread to new ingredients and ovens. It came to represent this new land where people of all backgrounds could find refuge. Every gingerbread recipe baked in homes today can speak about the people who first made it. And then there's the aroma in your kitchen of gingerbread being baked. It just makes you smile. One whiff and you know the holidays are here. Yeah, that's lovely. I hadn't really thought about that, about how there's so much tradition into the behind the foods we eat around the holidays. Oh, yeah. And really, if that tradition wasn't there, how many of those foods would we still be eating? Yeah, uh, like a lot of modern holiday foods can be traced really directly to like Victorian era, which borrowed them from a lot of other other places. And so, yeah, it's fascinating. It is. Meanwhile... In the winter of 2017-2018, the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry had an exhibit celebrating the engineering side of gingerbread construction. And every year, Discovery Cube, which is a, a couple of science museums in California, hosts Science of Gingerbread competitions to create impressive gingerbread structures. And they also have a gingerbread car derby, like a little gingerbread. You build what? little gingerbread cars and there's a derby. I am baking a gingerbread car this year. <laughs> Oh, but then that gingerbread cookie's going to get away so fast because oh, you'll have a getaway car. Oh, because you'll have a getaway. Oh, no. All right. Well, I'm pretty good. <laughs> pretty confident. You're also pretty fast. It's true. You do a lot of running, Annie. <laughs> I think I've been training for this <laughs> my whole life. I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, and I, I do have a few, uh, a, a little bit of that, like, gingerbread construction science for you, some helpful hints for you to remember the next time you're baking. Um, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? 
time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... If you're looking to construct your own gingerbread house or estate or palace or getaway car, the internet does have some helpful hints for you. I found an article in Popular Science called How to Build a Structurally Sound Gingerbread House that was particularly useful. Um, first, you're going to need to pick a gingerbread recipe that does not use leavening agents, no eggs or baking powder or what have you. And you're going to need a blueprint so that you'll know how much you need to bake. Once you've got your dough rolled out, because it, it, you don't want to use leavening agents because that'll make it puffy and therefore less sturdy, right? Hence my cookie recipe would not work. No, no. You're, you're going to need to change it up. Okay. Okay. I can do that. All right. And then once you have your dough rolled out, you're going to want to use a sharp knife to cut the shapes of the individual pieces out of the dough prior to baking, but don't remove the extra along the edges because that way you'll reduce spreading of the edges of your shapes. Oh. Yeah. 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 You, you don't you don't want them to thin out. No. No. Bad times. You can cut away the excess after baking. Once everything's baked and cut out, you're going to need durable construction material, and that means proteins. Uh, royal icing made with egg whites, powdered sugar, and really minimal other liquids will hold up pretty well, as will melted marshmallows, caramels, or gummies. Melted white chocolate can also work well and has the advantage of firming up more quickly than some of those other things. Support structures inside the building will help distribute the weight of the walls and the roof more evenly. And finally, popular science recommends destroying your structure, I mean, you know, when you're ready, uh, purposefully to see where the weak points are and thus to build a better plan for next year. This is beautiful. This sounds like a great project to for children to yeah. undertake and to learn from. Right? Huh. And if you want even more specific advice and understand math a little bit better than I do, UCLA's Science and Food blog made a really thorough post about the physics involved called Engineering the Perfect Gingerbread House. That's fantastic. Check it out. I want to make one right now. <laughs> and there's <sighs> nothing stopping you, technically. I actually thought about making cookies for this. Aww. Um, but we kind of randomly... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was ever going to get to do this in the middle of summer. Um, <laughs> but I'm so excited. I would just want to build things out of gingerbread. Yeah. And think about physics. Yeah. And take pictures and, like, draw arrows. Oh, yeah. This is where the structure went yeah. wrong. <laughs> check, check out Discovery Cube's um, Science of Gingerbread competition. The, some of the photos from 2017 are really gorgeous and incredibly impressive. Like they have they have a, a adult and child categories and like kids as young as like five making these structures that I don't think I could have built. So I'm like, well, I okay. We should have competition in the office. Ooh. Some people, I think, would be really good. Oh, man. Some people would be embarrassingly good. Oh, heck. They're going to put me to shame, Annie. <laughs> but we get to eat it afterwards. We do. That's true. That's all that matters mm -hmm. in the end. <laughs> Isn't it? It is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now that I'm all in the mood for 
gingerbread and building gingerbread houses, it's time for listener mail, mail, mail. Yeah, it's like bells. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we try, we do. All right. Michaela wrote on Facebook, I just listened to your episode about peanut butter. Annie, I love your passion for the creamy, gooey perfection we call peanut butter. Thank you. I love it, too. (laughs) I enjoy a plain peanut butter sandwich myself at times. No jelly, usually. It's too sweet for me. But how I usually eat it is by the spoonful. I grew up eating it this way as a home cure for hiccups. My grandma always told me when I got a bad case of the hiccups to eat a spoonful of peanut butter and they will be whisked away. It has never failed me. By the time I finish the spoon, my hiccups are a thing of the past. I once did a report in grade school about hiccups. It was there that I learned the cause of hiccups being a result of our diaphragms getting out of sync with our breathing. By eating the spoonful of peanut butter, you allow your breathing to become slowed enough for your diaphragm to find its normal rhythm once more. I totally forgot about that, but I have a I have what is a very annoying habit of um, shouting peanut butter at someone who has the hiccups <laughs> because it's both the surprise element oh. and sort and a, of peanut butter. A useful suggestion. I've, it's never worked, <laughs> and yet I continue to do it. Well, per- perseverance. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one day. It sounds like eating <laughs> peanut butter is a far more successful way to get rid of the hiccups. <laughs> Alan wrote, Your mention of the old-style can opener, essentially a spike, brought back memories at the cottage, uh, which he had mentioned earlier in the email about being a, a place. Anyway, in those days, it tended to be the repository of older stuff, and in the drawer was one of the type you mentioned. It was a challenge to use as a small boy, but it did work. I do recall the opening being quite jagged, and it was a good way to poke yourself as you tried to make that first penetration into the can lid. The sharp point was not forgiving. I'm surprised that you did not mention the Army's P-38 can opener, which was a folding can opener introduced in World War II in the ration packs. I still saw them in Canadian ration packs into the 1970s before we converted to meals in pouches. These were effective can openers, and I always had several around as we got a new one with each Beals ration pack. I used them at home for years as they were so useful and took up little room in the kitchen drawers. That is, until one day. I got a frantic phone call at work from one of my daughters as her sister was frantically trying to open a can of food. They were about 12 and were left home for an hour between my wife going to work and me getting home. One daughter suddenly decided she was hungry, wanted something in a can, and couldn't open it with the P-38. She was resorting to smashing the can on the kitchen floor, at which point my other daughter called me. Needless to say, I dropped what I was doing and rushed home. After that, I went out and bought a conventional can opener to avoid any future crises. We're adult women, and we can relate to that. (laughs) Absolutely. Our struggle lives forever online. Yeah, there were a number of moments in that video that were not OSHA compliant at all. (laughs) Oh, no. I hope they don't come knocking on our studio door. (laughs) Yeah, we're, like, racking up a list of people that are going to come knocking one day. (laughs) But we did get the can open eventually with the conventional can opener. We did. Yeah. There's much shame about it. <laughs> it's it's okay. Hey, hey, we prevailed. We did. We struggled and we prevailed. And it is hilarious. And it is really pretty funny. So there's that. There's that. We can laugh at ourselves, and that's a good thing. <laughs> 
Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw and on Instagram at foodstuff. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Thank you to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.